0: Welcome into two for one drafts. Austin Gail here with Mike Renner in our new podcast setup. I kind of like it. Get the face you a little one on one. I feel like we're on
1: a date a little. I bit. I hate it. You no, hate it. Yeah, I know you hate it. You've said that before. <laughs> you didn't have to say it on the pod, but I, I mean, I do. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not going to lie about my analysis. So I'm not going to lie about disliking. Uh, so you're sitting. just an honest guy. I feel like I'm going to fall asleep in this chair, but that's <laughs> that's fine. I'll bring the energy. What. Well, let's
0: go ahead and run through what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go every bowl quarterback in the co- in college football and rank them by pro potential. Obviously, well, we're Lee. not going to go through all now, the just the top ten. Just the top ten. But I, I think what's interesting is going to start with Trevor Lawrence. That's kind of obvious. Whoa. But after that, fucking just give away the
1: lead. T- Trevor count down Lawrence 10. is
0: obvious here, okay? But we're okay. going to go through after that. I think there's some interesting names, specifically at number ten. I think he's a guy that could be a fake ID 2021. Start to look at him. Mm-hmm. Then we're also going to do our rolling rooks segment, but a little spin on this one. We're going to do a wide receiver special. Talk about where we would draft this year's rookie wide receivers, knowing what we know now. I'm sure AJ Brown high on that list. Then we're last. <sighs> we're going to finish with our blackout segment. Stop just giving the Away, all We're going right. to do a you're, little blackout segment <laughs> here. We're going to bring up Drew Locke, Duck Hodges, and J-Jaw. J.J. has been
1: an absolute travesty so far this year. We'll get to it then. We'll We'll get to it then.
0: All right. Well, let's just go ahead and dive to the bowl quarterback, starting with number 1, Trevor Lawrence of Clemson.
1: Yes, he is number 1. It was a debate. There is a legitimate debate. That's how good Joe Burrow has been this year. But The thing is, Trevor Lawrence has never been bad. You know, Joe Burrow has been bad in the past in his college career. He got beat up by Dwayne Haskins. He wasn't great last year at LSU. Trevor Lawrence has never been bad. He's never lost you know in college football at this point so it's hard to go against him hard to go against him after what we saw from his true freshman going up against Alabama in the national championship game and while Joe Burrow has some arm strength concerns there's really not a thing about the quarterback position that Lawrence can't do He can't do well 6'6", 220 can run as well and over his last his game grades in his last five games are 85.1 passing grade 92.0 86.2, 81.7 and 93.0 this past week in the conference championship game against Virginia. He's, he's back. He's, he's red hot, and I'm, I cannot wait for that Ohio State-Clemson game. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll preview it next week more in depth, but God damn, Trevor Lawrence against Ohio State defense, that is must-see TV. That's probably the game I'm most by far most excited for. Well, if it ends up being Clemson-LC, I'd be more excited for that one, but those uh, the, of the upcoming playoff games, that one, I cannot wait. I'm
0: pretty sure Trevor Lawrence in his high school career only
1: lost one football game
0: and it was the last one the la- his last fall game mm-hmm. he lost and, and he, he still has so lost at like, the collegiate level that is insane yeah that is insane the guy was like a consensus number one overall crew everyone sees him as this big star this guy has never faced adversity in my opinion i think that which is a red no red, he's flags, quit red flag when he gets to the nfl exactly he, he takes an L in the nfl the field, He'll literally crying. double his loss <laughs> total in like the last five years um interesting prospect for him what's your take on so this year i think there's in the beginning some people were seeing he kind of took a step
1: back are, are you, i mean he did like yeah. he, he made a handful of decisions that he didn't even make as a freshman in mm-hmm. that George Tech game and that Syracuse game just ugly ugly picks to start off the year but again in his last six games he hasn't thrown a pick mm-hmm. uh, he hasn't thrown a turnover worthy play even so like he hasn't even thrown a ball that could have been picked yeah. so he has been lights out uh, I think there was some of that you know maybe jitters get it out the way you know all this hype around him he had you know not as nearly as he had to have a whole season of people talking about him as you know the GOAT as mm-hmm. the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck since Elway that sort of stuff that hype can get in your head and all of a sudden you know you're pressing a little bit to be that guy right out the gate when he doesn't need to press he's that guy, you know, no matter what. So I do think what we've seen from the second half of the year, I'd be afraid if I'm Ohio State. That's all I'll say. Compare
0: Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow for me. Obviously Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be in the 2020 NFL draft, but what I'm interested in is how you view them as prospects. Because I know recently you said it's time to start talking about Joe Burrow as this like best we've seen in a long time type of guy.
1: Yeah, Burrow is accurate. More accurate than Lawrence at this point in their careers. Now, obviously, Burrow kind of flipped a switch over the course of the offseason. The accuracy really took a big leap, but uh, he has Shown more accuracy at this point, in my opinion, than Trevor Lawrence. The intermediate range, underneath, dude's ball placement is off the charts. Best ball placement we've seen in our six years of in college football. But Trevor Lawrence has a cannon. Uh, Joe Burrow. Adequate enough arm strength, not a plus arm in the NFL by any means. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence is going to be in that upper echelon of the Josh Allen's of the world. You know, the Aaron Rodgers's of just pure arm talent can put it into any window you want. He has it. So that that to me is the big difference. That why you're putting the Lawrence one, the you know, being younger and producing at an earlier age, but two, just Lawrence has that arm to where really the sky is the limit. There's no, there's nothing. The whole playbook is open to Trevor Lawrence. You know,
0: it's a good opportunity to go. into our number two quarterback on the ranked by bowl or the Bull quarterbacks here, Joe Burrow, a 93.5 PFF passing grade so far this year. He has an opportunity in this next game, if not next two games, to show even improve on that. He's been so impressive this year. 48 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, 32 big-time throws to just nine turnover-worthy plays. To compare to Trevor Lawrence, he has 29 big-time throws, those highly graded throws mm-hmm. in PFF system, and 11 turnover-worthy plays. Joe Burrow, I know you compared him to Trevor Lawrence. I think the, the biggest question, what everyone wants to know about Burrow is, is how do you think he took this next step? What really what
1: elevated his game? Hell, if I know, I mean, like if you knew, <laughs> you'd be able to get a bunch of quarterbacks True. to do it. Like he, it came out of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. it legitimately came out of nowhere. Uh, the biggest thing to me, though. If you could sort of boil it down to one thing, I think it's confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, uh, you know, we talked about with Baker Mayfield this year. He didn't look nearly as confident as he did as a rookie. Like confidence at the quarterback position, you have to trust basically where you're going with the football, that your protection is going to hold up. You have to be confident. And last year he was not in the pocket. I think this year, completely different story. He steps into pretty much every throw. You did not see that last year. He's maneuvering without fear. Uh, when he does break the pocket, it's because he literally has to. He's not doing it necessarily too early. So I do think that the confidence aspect in that LSU system has been a night and day from what we saw last year. And that's the biggest, mm, the biggest thing that explains the jump. But again, it's more than just that. Like There's mm-hmm. a lot of factors at play. But that confidence level, uh, he's at an all-time high right now.
0: Increased confidence level in the offense, I think, inside of structure. You mentioned the accuracy. Joe Burrow, easily the best quarterback in college football right now inside of structure from an accuracy standpoint. But really stands out for me, and I think what makes the highlight reels in addition to the big-time throws, is what he's doing outside of structure, how he's reacting to pressure. You've even said that he's maybe even a little bit faster than Jalen Hurts from a mobility standpoint. Hurts right,
1: like, yeah. he, isn't that fast. People yeah. like love Hurts' rushing ability. Like, True. He's, yeah. he's just... A big dude, like he's probably gonna run like a four, or seven, something.
0: But my question is, so you love what he's doing inside of structure, the accuracy. What, where do you value when you're when you're evaluating quarterbacks to play outside of structure? It's not a high percentage of plays, but there's opportunity outside of structure. You've seen it with Patrick Mahomes. You've seen it from the best quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL making plays outside of structure. Is important to get into that upper echelon. Joe Burrow doing it well at the college level. How do you value
1: that? So it's almost like an it's almost like an addition, like a check mark plus plus mark in his favor in terms of mm-hmm. you got to win from the. First, you got to be able to make the throws be accurate, that sort of thing. First, but if you do have that little outside of structure ability, that's a little bonus that's going to push you over the edge. Like, you have there's so few guys that can be perfect from the pocket, and that's why we saw guys like Eli Manning when it went, it went quickly because you have to be perfect from the pocket. And if you're not making plays outside of that pocket, if you don't have good pass protection, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're shot, mm-hmm. you, you don't have any sort of recourse, there's no second, uh, uh, you don't have a plan B. So, I, I do think that it's a big thing and getting even bigger in today's NFL the ability to do that and Joe Burrow obviously has that.
0: A bigger rocket ship. Joe Burrow or Joe Brady. Joe Brady coached at William and Mary. Linebackers coach in twenty fourteen. Penn State graduate assistant in twenty sixteen. <laughs> New Orleans Saints office assistant, and now this year, probably one of the most coveted assistant coaches in college yeah.
1: football. That is insane what he's going done. from GA to assistant of the year award that he won this year. In he three coached years. linebackers at William and Mary after playing receiver at the school for a couple years. That's. I mean, that's this the guy graduated college in 2012 he's hot right now That's I, hot. I, I can't wait to see where he ends up after this year dude if he has a throw. cup of coffee
0: with sean McVay, i'm telling you he's gonna get a head coaching job here pretty soon he'll be soon. coaching the panthers next year let's go to number three justin Fields. i i think here at pff we've done a great job of covering joe burrow he's been a rocket ship he could finish as one of the highest graded quarterbacks single season in the pff college era dating back to 2014 mm-hmm. but Justin Fields is having a damn good season, too, playing very well for an Ohio State team that is in the college football playoff that could go the distance this year. What's your take on Justin Fields? And I think a better question, compare Justin Fields to Trevor Lawrence, two guys
1: that will be in that 2021 class. I think Fields is not on Lawrence's level whatsoever as a passer. I think he is good. As a passer, but I think his real value comes from the threat he poses in the run game. He is legitimate, going to run sort of Cam Newton-esque as a runner in terms of big dude, fast dude, can run in between the tackles if you want. So that option threat immediately, you know, you get more favorable looks. We talked about a lot with any quarterback that Presents that you get more favorable looks from defenses run games automatically better. It just helps you in a number of different ways So I think that he has value there and he takes care of the football He's not going to put the ball in harm's way only eight turnover the plays on the year in his first year as a starter, is you know a really, really, uh, really low number for anyone, especially a guy who's only in his first year as a starter. So I think he has that, and he has the arm as well. Like he has good arm, not accuracy level wise on that with on par with Lawrence or Burrow, but it's a talented, talented guy. And for what for him to do this, like I said, in year one as a redshirt freshman, I guess he's probably a sophomore at this point. I don't know whatever you want to classify him as uh, is. Pretty impressive.
0: Mm-hmm. With Justin Fields, too, a 92.9 PFF passing grade right behind Joe Burrow in that regard. I'm glad you mentioned the turnover worthy plays. 30 big time throws, eight turnover worthy plays. But what stands out to me, the number that stands out to me, 13.9 average depth of target. That's the third highest in college football. To be limited just eight turnover worthy plays when you're pushing the ball downfield like that, yes, his receivers are open. I think that offense does a good job of getting
1: open receivers, but that's very impressive what he's doing down the field. Yeah, what he is, do- he's operating in that offense so much differently than Dwayne Haskins did. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Haskins, remember, they would run a ton of screens, and he attacked the middle of the field, crossing routes. He he would just pound crossing routes all day long in that offense. Uh, Justin Fields attacks way more with the go balls, way more with uh, post routes down the field, and is, in my opinion, better than Haskins uh, throwing down the field like that. So I think that's where sort of his strength is. Again, it's that... You know, run action, run action, hit you over the top sort of offense that we've seen uh, with guys like Cam Newton, with guys like Russell Wilson, have a lot of success with over the course of their careers.
0: Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I want to hear you compare the two there. Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins this year, I think, has taken steps over the recent weeks. I think he had his best game you know, yeah. to date this past week with Terry McLaurin and company. It's not a great supporting cast in Washington. He hasn't had a, a ton of opportunities with the ones. But just looking at them as prospects, you see Justin Fields as the Much better, better prospect. Really?
1: Much better prospect, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, if Haskins returned to school, there might have been a debate in terms of who's starting mm-hmm. for them that, that year because uh, I think that's how good Fields is. Like, these top three guys are all very much, well, Burroughs, you know, locking in at number one this year, but then uh, Lawrence, number one next year, and, and Fields, probably number two. Like, that's how good these top three are as a uh,
0: A great comparison for Fields and Dwayne Haskins looking at, you know, 2018 2019 combined 93.0 PFF passing grade for Justin Fields, 84.9 for yeah. Dwayne Haskins in 2018. Biggest the, difference, downfield. the biggest difference is the turnover-worthy plays. 18 turnover-worthy plays for Dwayne Haskins, yeah. eight to Justin Fields. Then you look at that average depth of target, over four, y- four yards lower for Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. not necessarily pushing the ball downfield. I think that's very interesting. I think Justin Fields. Could be even you know could be even better in year two with Ohio State next year. I think he's an interesting prospect to follow. Could be going toe to toe with Trevor Lawrence. I know he's the golden boy. He's got better hair. I get that. I've I've been in this room. You know you got better hair than me. That's where we're at.
1: But you got a compliment your haircut on your hair cut. I did. The I did. So, I, so the, the, the two
0: times a year I get a haircut, I do get compliments, which is interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. Let's go to number four, Justin Herbert, which I think is a pretty he's a pretty prolific name right now because I think there's people that are very mm. hot on Joe Her- Justin Herbert. See him as this like elite arm talent type of guy. Think that he can make all the throws on the football field—the classic cliches. But the people that are low on him, I know you are slightly lower than some others, are low because it's the stuff between the ears, what he's doing in these games, and not living up to expectation, mm-hmm. not getting the job done when the jobs on or when the you know games on the line.
1: Yeah, I mean, you go back to even just his. Passing grade this uh the past couple of years, eighty four point four this year. Had the game where he disappears against, even though know, they won the game against Utah, only a fifty eight point three grade in the conference championship. Forty three point one against Arizona State. A couple weeks before that, in that loss, like he has the games where he just that Joe Burrow hasn't had this year. The game where it's just like in the tank. What the hell's going on? Why is he playing so poorly? Now he doesn't have a great receiving talent, nowhere near what Joe Burrow has at LSU. But you can't go in, the, you can't go to that level of play. You can't be that bad at your worst, because I think those games only come more often once you get to the NFL. And to me, he's he's almost a better version of Drew Locke from last year in terms of uh, I, I think he's uh, more accurate from the pocket, more accurate a little down the football field. But just uh, they both have something between the ears that you were just. Was off, and that you would have games where you're looking at him and like, why can't they? Why aren't they even trying to push the ball down the football field? And that, that's the biggest thing with Herbert. Is some of it's the offense, last of swing screens that offense, like almost a third of his th- completions are swing screens. But some of it's also just when he has, you know, in the second half when he needs to make a play down the football field, he doesn't know what's a good chance to take with the football and where to go with it. And that's that's something you have to. That almost intrinsic uh, ability is something you have to have in the NFL. So, yes, I put him at four. He might be still falling down our list. Really? It's
0: that inconsistency that really does. It. You know, five games with an under 70.0 PFF passing grade. He also has four games with multiple turnover-worthy plays. Look at that Arizona State game. Six turnover-worthy plays against Arizona State in a big it's game, bad. a must-win game yeah. for Oregon if they're trying to chase, you know, a college you know, football championship. And, and what's interesting with him is I think people talk about him in high regard, but I haven't heard a good player comp for him. Do you see a comp for Justin Herbert, a guy with all this talent in the world that maybe struggles a bit on that intrinsic Know when I need to step up to the plate. Know when I need to take a risk and
1: win here. It's it's difficult. That's a good question. I'm trying to think of who I even put for him uh, in the draft guy because I did give comps in the preceding draft. Guide. I put Derek Anderson for him. Really? That's oh my I put. gosh! Talk about so, <laughs> Talk about inconsistent. Derek Anderson had like that Nothing's one year where everyone was Derek really Derek exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, not a great comp. I mean, if that's your comp, uh, that's if that's his, you know, his pro potential, not great. But no, I, it's there's a tough one to put on him because he's a. He's unique from that perspective in terms of, like, he's even more. He's got the arm of Josh Allen, but I think he's even more accurate than Josh Allen. I think he has better arm talent than Josh Allen. But the uh, but Josh Allen's far more of a gamer. Like Josh Allen would do far more of what it takes to win a football game. Justin Herbert, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. Totally fair. Let's go to number five, Jake from another so ringing endorsement there for a guy put at number four. Yeah, Jesus. that's My that's
0: rough. <laughs> Derek Anderson is a rough comp for Justin Herbert. But I, I, I do. Yeah. I don't think it's not fair. I mean, the, the, the concerns you have with Justin Herbert's game, I think, are mm-hmm. completely fair. I and mean, when you watch the big games, when you turn on those big games and expect him to elevate rise to the occasion, as often was said, you don't see it with Justin Herbert. Yeah. And that's a problem because mm-hmm. in the NFL, all of the occasions are risen. You know, a lot of it gets a lot harder
1: in the NFL. You can't you can't get away with inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to Jake Fromm. Uh, talk to me about him. Yeah, Fromm, I just I think he will be an NFL quarterback. I think he will be able to operate an NFL offense. I don't think he'll ever be uh you know, Drew Brees. I don't think he'll ever be an elite quarterback in the NFL. But I, I think if you are a team drafting towards the back end of a first round and you need a quarterback, he will be able to run you an NFL offense. Like he takes care of the football as well as anyone in the country. Six turnover he plays all this year. You've seen his grade go up every single year. He's gotten better. Every single year of his career: eighty-one point one as a freshman, eighty-five point three last year, 88.0 this year. I'm not sure he declares because it's, uh, you know, he he still has major question marks about his ability to push the ball down the football field. Major question marks about how much he's protected in that Georgia offense. But he makes quick decisions with the football and he protects the football. Uh, you know, easy Alex Smith comp, easy game manager projection for him at the next level. Now. How much value should he put on that? Or how much do you really want that? I mean, on a rookie deal, I think he could win with him. But uh, yeah, there's still question marks about him. And like I mentioned, the offense, uh, how much he's protected. But I do think like he can run an NFL offense. Will it be at a high level? Probably not. That's a hard. It's a hard conundrum. Yeah, sort of. I find
0: myself with Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason comparing the two a ton because they're, they're similar guys that at the back end of the first round or maybe in the top of the second. You start to take, you know, maybe take a swing mm-hmm. at them.
1: Compare those two players as prospects. Eason, the biggest thing with me he's a much bigger arm. Like he. he just obviously like jumps off the tape, him and Herbert right up there in this draft class in terms of one, two, in terms of our talent. Like they just have very strong arms, can put it in any window. Uh, he had a throw earlier in the season, Easton, where it's like 50 yards pretty much flat-footed on a a rope for a touchdown on a post route and like Joe Burrow can't make that throw like there's guys that just can't make that throw it's special and you're not even going to attempt that throw for Joe Burrow but he made it because he has that arm talent but Jacob Eason I think he just needs more playing time like his he looked terrible under pressure Uh, unlike any quarterback I saw any of the top quarterbacks I saw this year in terms of how he dropped off from a clean pocket where he had a 92 point zero passing grade two under pressure with 36.5 passing grade and some of that he's also putting pressure on himself like just his pocket presence in general completely crumbled and they had really good tackles there it's not like he was under pressure a lot and all of a sudden you know they got to him over the course of the game no it was only a handful of times a game and when it did come he just acted like he would never seen pressure before so that's mm-hmm. worrisome to me because it's only going to get worse the next level
0: that under pressure stat is what really surprised Absurd, me every yeah. time. When you look at that, like that drop off is insane. He ranks 68th in the country in PFF passing grade under pressure, on par with somebody, some group of five guys, some really and, bad and guys. it's and Even it's not even
1: just grade; like he mm-hmm. wasn't completing passes. 35.6 completion percentage, 4.4 4 yards per attempt. It's not like he's just making bad decisions with football. He's not making anything good with
0: football. So I think that's a good opportunity too to talk about just pressured quarterback performance, how you evaluate that and how you how you factor that in and prioritize it in an evaluation, because pressure pocket performance is volatile. It goes up and down every year. Also, it's on a smaller percentage of plays compared to clean pocket passing performance. I think we've talked about this in the past, but my take on it is, is you can't completely collapse under pressure. Yes. You can play well, it's, poorly. It's under, how you react. Exactly. You can, you can play poorly under pressure. You can take a step back under pressure, but mm-hmm. you can't completely collapse in the form of taking way more sacks, like your sack to pressure rate can't be super high, and also you can't turn the ball over. You can play poorly under pressure. You don't necessarily have to complete all of your passes, but don't put the ball in harm's way. That's where I see it,
1: really. Yeah, so if you ask the analytics guys, they will tell you play from a clean pocket is more stable mm-hmm. uh, year on year. But I will also say like a guy who uh, is bad under pressure, a guy with bad pocket presence, will put himself under pressure more than someone like Tom Brady, someone True. like a Philip River, someone with good pocket presence who knows how to navigate the pocket. right tackle gets bull rushed, they'll subtly slide left, and that's not pressure. Mm -hmm. That that shouldn't be pressure. A guy who doesn't know what he's doing in the pocket, a guy who reacts poorly under pressure, is going to see his right tackle getting bull rushed, and eyes drop down, tries to dip outside the pocket, something like that, and all of a sudden that turns into a sack when with someone else, it would have just been almost nothing. But I think that's
0: something, too, though, that when Eric and George, the data scientists at PFF have looked into it, that's something that is more stable, like quarterbacks owning their pressure rate. Play under pressure, not necessarily stable, but own pressure or taking on pressure is stable yeah. somewhat for quarterbacks. And I think with Jacob Eason, that's something you have to evaluate. Is he just bad when he's pressured? Or is he bringing on a ton of pressure onto himself? Because the latter comes with you to the NFL. And I think it carries year over year. And that's a huge problem.
1: Yeah, and that's why he's number 9 on our list and not coming up here for a little bit. <laughs>
0: the next guy, too, is um, Sam Howell of North Carolina. So Did skip Jordan Love? Oh, I skipped Jordan oh, Love. Boy. That's on me. Let's go back to Jordan Love. Jordan Love's an interesting one. We've talked about him a lot, though. We just chugged him. so Yeah, Jordan Love's an interesting one because he has 29 big-time throws and 25 turnover-worthy plays. That
1: ratio is absurd. I still believe, and to some degree, obviously putting him sixth, not full head-on in, but I take him probably top of the second round here because the 29 29 big-time throws... With the talent he had around him, is still an absurd number. Like mm-hmm. that still what, was the top five in the in the FBS this year. For him to have zero receiving talent, very bad offensive line, like Daniel Jones esque situation. Daniel Jones did not put up anywhere near twenty nine big time throws last year. Like he was still making special throws into tight windows. Now we, obviously Daniel Jones didn't make twenty five turnover plays either. But I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that he had nothing really going right from and still paid up, put up special throws week in a week out. Like there's Still, something there, uh, even if the situation was bad.
0: So you're saying you're comfortable taking him in that you know the top of the top second, second round because you're that's about you're where. Bet. It's a bet, though. It's it's a high yeah, risk, yeah. high you know, higher. That's bet. the thing
1: is, we keep saying you should take a bet in the quarterback position mm-hmm. because you, you hit on. Say you hit on a, your linebacker. Say you take July to Tavai at the top of the second round. He turns out to be a very good linebacker. If you get a, if Jordan Love is your starter and he's anything near average, he's way more valuable than Jolion Tabai being a very good linebacker. There
0: you go. Looking at the comparison, I'm interested in these comparisons. You look at 2018 Daniel Jones and 80.8. PFF passing grade only 19 big time throws, 17 turnover worthy plays. A similar ratio, yeah. but like you said, doesn't have that high, high end that Jordan Love does yeah. have. With Jordan Love in 2019, a 75.9 PFF passing grade, 29 big time throws like we said and
1: 25 turnover worthy plays. They're not they're not similar players though in my opinion. I'm, oh no. I would... So he reminds me of Deshaun Kaiser with just like a better uh pocket presence. Sean Kaiser would when it wasn't there would stick in the pocket and you know have that uh, just sort of like panic almost, but frozen in place. Uh, Jordan Love converts pressure to sacks in one of the lowest rates, you know, opposite of Jacob Eason. He does not, uh, you know, doesn't take sacks, gets the ball out of his hands quickly. Uh, and I think that's a big thing. Like that pocket presence is a big reason why I still believe, because if you didn't have that pocket presence, you could have gotten real rough there in that Utah state offense.
0: Let's combine two, two guys for the future here, Sam Howell and Brock Purdy. Talk to me about these two players, not guys that will be in the 2020 NFL draft, but who have shined a little bit in, in our grading system.
1: Well, for Sam Howell, not even the 2021, this yeah. dude's a true freshman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 2023 draft. Yeah. Uh, he is, the uh, North Carolina starting quarterback uh, I go went back to watch the Clemson game on him and while he didn't dominate by any means he definitely held up better against that clemson defense than a lot of quarterbacks in recent memory that i've gotten drafted I think back to ryan finley last year at nc state where he just quicksanded him uh he just kept you know throwing the ball to clemson he did not do that at least didn't throw a single pick in that clemson game had one pretty rough decision but i think he was just efficient when it was that d line was dominating like he was it was not uh, you know easy going from and almost won them the game there in that one and then I go back to this past week against NC State and this past week against the last game of the season against NC State he was just carving him up like he has legit arm talent uh, big arm for a true freshman which is rare to see you know guys usually get stronger arms as they go throughout the college career put on some muscle he already has you know NFL high level NFL arm strength 6'1", 225 He's jacked. Uh, yeah He's legit jacked. I mean this guy this guy can sling it around the yard accuracy down the field uh, leaves a little bit to be desired but i love his pocket presence and poison the pocket already for a true freshman i think this guy is going to be the real deal here in a couple years uh Although, the pedigree there in North Carolina, not great in his uh, favor right wow. now. Why you got to bring up Trubisky like uh, that? I know. Uh, I got a couple things there. One, a
0: consensus four-star recruit coming out. Goes you know true freshman, like you said. His dad's name is Duke, which I feel like automatically makes you a gritty person,
1: a gritty That's player. why he's jacked. I yeah, mean, that's like... why he's jacked.
0: But then looking at his grades this year, among true freshmen with at least 200 dropbacks this year, highest graded PFF, you know, highest PFF passing grade in the country this year at 83.7. 29 big-time throws, 18 turnover-worthy plays. As a true freshman, those are impressive numbers coming mm. in North Carolina which doesn't necessarily have a great supporting cast. That is playing in a pretty tough conference, I would say. So Jimmy think... Brown, sorry. We, we highlighted him
1: the wide receiver Oh, that's there. right. You're right. You're Vested, right. The... But yeah.
0: So let's, go. let's dive right into Brock Purdy right after. He has graded very well for Iowa State. I think he's the guy that college analyst Cam Miller just loves
1: over and over. I think Brock Purdy, great last name. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his dad's name is Duke, but I'll look it up. I'll find <laughs> out. He, to me, is almost reminiscent of... Uh, you know, Jerry Goff or uh, Dak Prescott. I'm not making player comps here. I'm saying the fact that Iowa State was never good at football before, you know, Brock Purdy come, came in here. Uh, Mississippi State I can't get over was not good name. at football, had their best years under Dak Prescott. Like he's going to start for multiple years and have some of the best years in Iowa State football. And they really they didn't have like an influx of talent. They're not getting guys drafted left and right in the NFL. They really still have nothing on that team. But he is carrying them to much better results than they've ever seen in the past 88.0 passing grade as a freshman 82.5 this past year. I go back to the Oklahoma game. He had maybe the most impressive throw I saw all season rolling out right about to get hit Almost sidearms it. A guy's running, a, you know, a post corner route. He throws it before the guy even breaks on the. Looks over their shoulder for the corner route. Probably about forty yards down the field. Throws that on a line to him in do- double coverage. Not double coverage, but two guys converging on him at the same time. Right on the money. It was an absurd throw. Uh, he has arm talent. Has the production now at this point. I, I'm a big fan of his game. Like you mentioned, Camilo is too.
0: All right, let's go to our last guy on this list. One of my favorites, you know, Minnesota's Tanner Morgan, a 90.0 PFF passing grade so far. You know, not so far this year, this year. Um, he has uh, 16 big-time throws, 16 turnover-worthy plays. Not necessarily that high end you're looking for, but I will say this. He's the highest-graded quarterback in college football under pressure, just above yeah. Joe Burrow in that regard. And I think at Minnesota... He
1: takes shots in yes. that pocket and will just fearlessly... Not, not almost like he. I'm not sure if he doesn't see it coming. I don't think he does because he has, in my opinion, fairly good pocket presence, fairly good. uh sort of six cents of one get rid of it but he will just step into a throw knowing he's going to get rocked and still put it on the money He yeah like you mentioned he's very good under pressure pretty fearless in the pocket does not have the arm of Howell or Purdy is not by any means going to you know wow with his throws down the football field already balding I don't know if that's a factor, <laughs> but that's a factor for me yeah he, he kind of he had a go route once where he capped out in the mid to high 50s in terms of I think that was about all he had on mm-hmm. it so that's that's not great from that perspective of the arm but he's creative with his throws over the middle of the field uh knows how to place it around linebackers you know you know knows how to put it with touch i I think he has what it takes to succeed you know to overcome that lack of arm strength and like you mentioned that that ability under pressure really is the defining characteristic of him that uh you know won them some games there down the stretch
0: kentucky boy consensus three-star recruit went to ryle high school I I think with him too. What I, I mean, took advantage. He took shots with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. I, I did love, you know, what he did with those two receivers. He really helped Rashad Bateman kind of make himself on the map here. I think Tanner Morgan's going to get you know, start to be talked about as one of these better player better college quarterbacks coming up in college football. So I'm definitely looking forward to hearing the narratives pushed with him. It's going to be Brock Purdy, Sam Howell, Tanner Morgan. These are the guys right below obviously Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields that you'll hear in that range. So it's exciting. But that's going to do it for the the bowl quarterbacks ranked by pro potential. It was a lot of fun. I I really
1: yep. liked your takes. I like the comparisons there. You did a great job. A couple guys that aren't on that list that you know, could have been you know, Dylan Gabriel, UCF. He was the highest grade freshman uh, in the country this past year. a hi- highest grade
0: from- PFF passing grade though, Powell. Second,
1: okay. Is, but Gab- Gabriel, Gabriel had the uh, overall because of his running ability. Mm-hmm. Jamie Newman, for us, who we've talked up, checked in at twelfth. We had Sam Ellinger outside the top ten, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere down at seventeenth. We had Anthony Gordon down at twentieth. Uh, I want to hear more on Anthony Gordon. Jalen Hurts at fourteenth. Can we talk about Anthony Gordon? I think he. he, he, he I,
0: I love Anthony, I love this I Washington it. State mm-hmm. offense. I <laughs> love he Winston Junior. I, I, I like. I, it's a fun to watch offense, and I think with that being said, when you watch those games, it's so fun to watch that it gets these guys excited about Anthony Gordon as a prospect. Gardner Minshew's mustache looks a little bit better after you watch Anthony Gordon's tape. Why, now tell me this, why with all of that production, are you hesitant on Anthony Gordon as a prospect?
1: Well, one, the Utah game was one of the worst games I've seen for quarterback all year. Wow. Like He was just throwing to stationary Do you defenders. want me to grab the body bag, or <laughs> did you bring it with him? It was just, I mean, he was, it was not, there were picks in that game where guys didn't move on defense, so you just never saw them. So it was, he had something like seven turnover where he plays in that game alone, then you go the Washington game at the end of the season, that was bad too. Uh, he just against better defenses. Now they do put it all on the quarterback shoulders there. Uh, it's a good offense for breed. You know, when a guy has to pass every single down of every single game, it's a, it's going to breed, you know, you're going to sink or swim. I, I think that's a good breeding ground mm-hmm. for NFL type of quarterbacks, but I still didn't see it in terms of the decision-making. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but finished with an 81.6 grade. That's why he's 20th on our board. Here.
0: Better question. Anthony Gordon, I get, I get why you don't like him. I understand that. But imagine a good quarterback, one of these, you know, two attack of low yeah. Justin Fields type, in a Washington State offense. Do you see it just being insane?
1: I think so. Although at the same time, it's like they uh, they're still limited by receiving talent. You mm-hmm. can only have one Eastop. Are, are you
0: serious right now? Eastop uh, wins. I just Jr. said they can only
1: have one. That's true. If you clone Eastop, I understand. Which that. apparently there's another guy named Eastop because he's junior, mm-hmm. but. That's his dad. It's yeah. not
0: another guy. You don't have to bring him up like that. Um, let's move forward off Washington State. I feel like we bring him up every podcast, and I feel you like bring him up, at, at a certain point we, have we. To, we at a certain point we have to stop. Go yeah. Cougs! Uh, but we're gonna dive into our next segment here, our Rolling Rook segment with a specialization on the rookie receivers. How we redraft them, knowing what we know. But before we do that, I gotta bring up our guys here. Proper Cloth, our sponsors. Not wearing the shirt right now, but I do love that shirt. I do have from them. I'm getting a couple more as well. I just can't stop. I, I think the biggest thing with Proper Cloth, in my opinion is that they do such a good job of allowing you to pick your style, pick your fit, and mm-hmm. pick your design and, and customize these things with relative
1: ease. I hate shopping. My girlfriend's like, you want to go to Target? I'd say, I'd rather not. I just would never do oh, it. And it's like they measure you based off of uh, you know just other shirts or other things you exactly. wear. I don't want to have some guy measuring me in a mm-hmm. store. That's that. That's not my idea of... I, I've had to have multiple shirts taken mm-hmm. in because I ordered them online because I didn't want to go to a store. I, and, and also, so I'm going to get back on my
0: rant here about hating shopping. Yeah. Going into a store where you're going to buy clothes and there are these people like, search seeking out commission and they're like... <laughs> Oh, do you like shoes? Do you want to get some shoes? And I'm like, please, please stop! I can't handle this already. Like either, yeah. And now you're already attacking that me. Makes me proper Cloth, all online, baby. You get to pick all your stuff there and uh, find some custom shirts. And they have offices in the United States to where if a shirt doesn't fit, send it back. They get it right, you know, perfect fit. Proper mm-hmm. Cloth. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, you go to ProperCloth.com right now slash pff today. You can save twenty dollars on a shirt using promo code PFF twenty. The shirts start at eighty bucks. It gets up from there. You can monogram that. I mean, it, there's a lot of exciting stuff on Proper cloth.com, but I uh, definitely recommend hitting it up. Shall we go into Rolling Rooks? Yes. Let's go into Rolling Rooks here. Rolling Rooks segment, normally we're highlighting some of these top you know, prospect, you know, rookie performances from the previous week, but we're taking a little bit of a spin here. Let's talk about these rookie wide receivers because they're lighting up the NFL. Every week I feel like I'm talking about a rookie receiver. And um, with that being said, I think it's an opportunity to kind of redraft the 2019 NFL draft, specifically looking at receiver and what order you would draft them in, knowing what we know now. Starting with number 1, it's obvious. A.J. Brown, Tennessee Titans wide receiver, former Ole Miss product has been absolutely on fire ever since really Ryan Tannehill took over and they stopped giving his snaps to Tajay Sharp (laughs) as great route runner big physical through contact making plays after the catch it's all what we saw at Ole Miss
1: yeah so let me set the stage here AJ Brown if we were redrafting yes he'd be the number one that one's in my opinion a no-brainer here but just with our rankings top 10 what we how we had it heading into uh, the draft last year. Number one, we had DK Metcalf was our 17th overall player. Number two, we had A.J. Brown was our 20th overall player. Number three, we had J.J. Othello-Whiteside who was a <laughs> 23rd overall player. <laughs> it's our thing. by the way. <laughs> I know. Uh, number four, we had Andy Isabella, who was our 30th overall player. Number five was Marquise Brown at 31. Debo, or excuse me, Hakeem Butler number six. Oof. Uh, <laughs> Debo Samuel was number seven. He where was,
0: is Hakeem Butler?
1: Is uh, he- on, on IR, actually. Okay. Uh, number eight, was that where Number eight, Nikhil Harry, he was sixty-first overall player on our board, which God, why do we do that one? Uh number nine was Riley Ridley at seventy-one, and number ten was Deontay Johnson at seventy-seven. So that was how our board shook out when it was all said and done. Thankfully, on that, you know, no Paris Campbell, no guys like that who mm-hmm. have not been getting the job. Some hits, done, some misses, but there. definitely some misses. Going away. It's still
0: early, too early to tell, but there are some receivers that you watch right now that you like, you know what, knowing what I've seen, yes. I think I would have
1: reorganized some things. So that's what we're doing now. And number one, so AJ Brown, second ranked wide receiver, he's number one right now. I mean, over 800 yards, uh, m- multiple 100 yard games in the season. Once Ryan Tannehill has come in there at the quarterback position, he has been easily their number one receiver. Like the dude has been dominating back to back 100 yard games, multiple touchdowns over that span. Like, he looks. He looks like a number one receiver. He's 8 or nine 3 yards. He's going to have 1,000 yards this year.
0: It's insane. I mean, I think what I've been really impressed with is that he's winning as an outside receiver. I know before, before this past year, I mean, he played a lot in the slot, and people saw him as a yeah. slot type, but he's winning at outside wide receiver. I think he's running routes and winning at all areas of the field, something that you really covet at the receiver position. Can you create separation in man coverage at the intermediate and deep levels of the field? If you can't, if you're Nikhil Harry, you're going to struggle in the NFL. A.J. Brown proving great hand usage on the
1: routes, that, crisp, it's all that stuff. That's the thing. It's like, with bigger dudes you worry about them being able to get locked up and not being quick enough at the line to you know get that little inch of separation and then separate from there uh, that we've seen Nikhil Harry get locked up a ton at the last scrimmage mm-hmm. AJ Brown Shifty enough that he can get off press coverage, and then he's so physical that if you got a step on you, you're not going to make it back because he's just too big. Like just too big. He's
0: 17 forced missed tackles after the catch too. I think that's tied with Debo Samuel for the most uh, among rookie wide receivers, which is impressive. Um, Let's go to the number two here. Let's bring up um, Terry McLaurin, who right now leads. All rookie receivers in overall grade and PFF receiving grade, but he does have seven drops on the year, which is I think makes it more impressive because you lose some of those drops and his receiving grade gets even higher. He has been very impressive with a very bad supporting cast. AJ Brown elevated a bit by Ryan Sandle, who I believe is a top five uh passer in PFF passing oh, yeah. grade down okay. the stretch here. <laughs> um, but now Terry McLaurin is playing well with the combination of Dwayne
1: Haskins, Case Keenum, etc. Yeah, Terry McLaurin twentieth in yards per route so far this season. Actually, I forgot dropped that. AJ Brown, AJ Brown's third in the NFL in yards per route that's That's absurd but yeah Terry McLaurin 20th in yards per route 833 yards like you mentioned terrible quarterback situation to me he was just coming out of Ohio State so actually I missed him he was eighth on our board he was number. uh I I just I had these all mixed up how I had them but he was eighth on the board that's my bad he was eighth number 68 overall so uh we were higher on him than where he went obviously in the draft going in the third round uh but I just the hardest thing was you you have to see guys catch the football and he didn't catch the football a lot mm-hmm. at Ohio State like you have to see them to know what their ball skills are going to be like in the NFL and they just it wasn't featuring that offense mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the Haskins Fields conversation they didn't target they weren't targeting go routes post routes down the football field Terry McLaurin was exclusively an outside receiver in that offense mm-hmm. he was pumping it to KJ Hill pumped it to Paris Campbell Terry McLaurin an afterthought. Falls to the third round. Now he looks very much unlike an afterthought. I love the sort of the route tree that they run him on. Oh, yeah. is a intermediate, deep, full route tree, and he is... And he's killing it, killing it. He's
0: absolutely killing the routes. I mean, we yeah. talked we talked about him. On, we talked with him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Guy is a very smart dude. Is, mm-hmm. is prioritizing, you know, expanding his route tree. You know, watches film at all. And he talked about his Darius Slay matchup, saying it's a chess match. I think that level of attention to detail to his routes shows up on tape. He's not just fast. I think that
1: that's a big. thing. He's not just fast. He's a very but, smart player that I think is going to get better even moving. And forward. he's big. He's two hundred eight pounds. Mm-hmm. Four three five speed at two hundred eight pounds. He's not like you know. He's not. Philip Dorsett at 185 coming out, or it's mm-hmm. just like, oh man, he can just go deep. He's got a, like he's got a full route tree. Like I said,
0: 14 of 26 on contested catches too, which is not a bad, mm-hmm. not a bad percentage there. Which is, you look at AJ Brown, only six receptions on 20 contested catch opportunities, a little bit better in that regard. Let's go to number three. Who would redraft DK
1: Metcalf? DK Metcalf number three. So it was different, different,
0: way way different. In my opinion, than AJ Brown and, T- yeah. and Terry McLaurin. I think DK Metcalf, though he's, he, I think the production has been good. I, I'm still not super impressed with his route tree. I'll so, tell you he, that so right here's
1: now. the thing: it's uh, never going to be. You're never going to be impressed with this route tree, but it's the route. Well,
0: tree. I'm upset. Okay, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the routes that he does win are the most valuable routes. Again, True. it comes back to that, and that's why he was our number one receiver coming out. And we had, you know, a debate between him and AJ Brown about who to put first. And I thought AJ Brown had more potential to be a number one receiver, but DK Metcalf was a sure thing in terms of go balls, routes. double moves, Deep routes. If he doesn't run a good whip route, I'm not taking it. You was can't have that.
0: Because <laughs> no, a whip route on, on yeah. average is not getting you the same value as a,
1: as a deep route from the slot like that. Exactly. He just time. was going to be That's a, good comment, a sure dude. thing That's smart. on those routes in terms of two six four two thirty 30, runs of four, three, three. Like he was mm-hmm. just going to be absurdly explosive. If you lose a step on him, you're never going to make it back. And he's proven that, you know, again and again in that Seahawks offense, uh, averaging 15.8 yards per catch, already 819 yards, six touchdowns. Had one this past week, uh, like that's just going to be. I think yeah. that's
0: a great conversation point. Talk about how the analytics and the tape can kind of marry mm-hmm. or like intertwine. And he's still only
1: twenty one, I think. Like he's still young, so Ta- talking so about maybe gets more flexible. How, you
0: know, there is that cliche with receivers and, Do and some yoga and so. scouting receivers is that you can run every route on the route tree, which is great. I think yeah. it's definitely valuable. But can he run all the big routes, the, the most valuable yeah. routes, so those deep routes, posts, um, uh, obviously go balls, all of those things? Can he win at the deep and intermediate level of the field? If he can't, I don't care if he can run every route in the route tree. If he can't consistently win at that area of the field, I can't run, win with him because he's not going to be as valuable as a guy like TK Metcalf, who maybe can't win on those whip routes, those short you know, kind of breaking routes there, but he can win deep down the field, and he's shown that for Seattle. And it does help here. You talk about Terry McLaurin doesn't have a great quarterback situation. Russell Wilson's literally the highest grade quarterback in the NFL. He's yeah, a and so
1: oh, he went to a place where that. They're gonna fit that in their offense. So yes,
0: let's go to Marquise Brown at number four. He hasn't since that Week One game where he just torched everybody. He yeah. hasn't like completely you know had a ton of splash plays, but he's catching a ton of touchdowns. And I think you still see it when you watch the tape. You turn it on, mm-hmm. this guy can create separation at an elite level. Yes, I think in the Baltimore Ravens' offense, they don't funnel targets to the receivers a ton. They hammer tight ends and you know and things like that. But I think Marquise Brown, at least from a tape standpoint
1: and the limited place he has to caught the ball, he's been impressive. Exactly. He's averaging more yards per route than Terry McLaurin right now. He's go. 17th in the NFL. Yards per route, like he, they just they don't pass a lot. Talk about winning the valuable then, routes.
0: Marquise Brown can yes. just
1: completely blow you away. Oh yeah, for sure. And he's you know forty three catches. 563 yards, 70.5% of his targets he's caught. So that's a good number and also eight broken tackles after the catch, also a very good number. Like he has been he has translated to the NFL. People were worried, oh, he's 160 whatever pounds he weighed at the combine cuz he had just had surgery. No. Now he's up to 170. His game has translated to the NFL. Uh yeah, I mean he's you basically as advertised. Like mm-hmm. if you were going to ta- taking him, where we would have took him. Like I said, he was like thirtieth play on our draft board. We would have taken him where the Ravens took him, and I think it was a good pick. Like he looks every bit like he's going to be a, a good deep and intermediate threat wide receiver.
0: Yes, Let's go to number five, Debo Samuel. I think he's an interesting player, largely because um, his usage is a little bit different than some of the guys we've mentioned. Just a seven point six average depth of mm-hmm. target. He's you know he's he's targeted more near the line of scrimmage than Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, etc. But he's getting it job the job done after the catch, averaging eight point two yards after the catch per reception, seventeen forced missed tackles. He's a guy that you know they they drafted Jalen Hurd and Debo Samuel. Jalen Hurd, the former high school and, and Tennessee running back, they're like this guy's got that running back uh, hybrid ability. That Debo never Samuel made sense. that never made sense. <laughs> Jalen Hurd was a a big tight end/wide slash receiver playing running back for far too long.
1: Debo Samuel, I would like I know Jalen Hurd played running back at Tennessee. Yes. I would put Debo Samuel running back before I ever put 100%. Hurd there I had that of, take as well. I mean, <laughs> he he has that like Ty Montgomery type of feel to him. Well, I mean that's his body type. He's 5'11" 215. Like he, he is built like every running back you know in in the nfl is basically built like that is the pro typical running back size and at south carolina they used him a ton in the screen game he broke something like i think he broke 20 tackles on 60 catches last year 21 tackles excuse me on 62 catches last year uh he's just always been absurdly good after the catch 18 on 59 catches back in 2016 mm-hmm. that's been his calling card and I don't know why they double drafted, but maybe it's like draft two to make sure you get one. They definitely got one in Debo Samuel. He is great in that sort of role where just get the ball in his hands and he will make something happen. Drops have been a little bit of an
0: issue. Ten drops on the year, but he they were an issue. In college, though, yet, they, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't I don't see them as a, an ongoing problem. Five of uh, ten on contested catch situations. Uh, again, I'm in love with his versatility. I mean, he can run all the short and intermediate routes you need from mm-hmm. a receiver to get open underneath that can do damage after the catch. Debo, De- Debo Samuel does that and then some. And that's what if you have a guy that's very good after the catch. I think having a guy that also can create separation at that level of the field is very important because you don't need to force him screens. So here's an example Nikhil Harry, great after the catch. You know, forces missed tackles can do things after the catch, but yeah. he's not hes not great at running slants. Like you can't get him yes. even open four no, yeah. or five yards down the football yeah. field. So. You can with Debo Samuel. And then guess what? He's already 10 yards down the football field when he has to break his first missed tackle. That's yeah. very important and very valuable. Much a little bit a of a rant hand. on my end. I don't mean to bring up Nikhil Harry again, but sometimes it just what has a to bad be brought pick,
1: up. Belichick, jeez, okay,
0: oh we just damaged Bill Belichick. All right, let's go to number six. My I'm probably uh, one. We both fun. love this guy coming out. I mean, you, you, I think you texted me first, saying, "Dude, mm. watch Deontay yeah. Johnson of
1: Toledo." My biggest regret in the draft board was that I still let Steve only put him at what seventy whatever so
0: you go bring steven damn it his body back season okay De- deontay johnson <laughs> anyway he has struggled a bit with drops this year he's also fumbled the ball a couple times but i will say this the few watch this guy create separation that's he had some a boneheaded run- place yeah he had some boneheaded plays i mean that was some of, th- that, there yeah. was some of the you know some of the character stuff there but what he's done is a route runner and then also after the catch i've been really impressed Dude, with. he has eight
1: broken tackles over the last two weeks on that, 11 catches. that's insane
0: yeah. and he had that one he took reverse field that's i think who we he didn't was. see like, a ton had, of that
1: at, at salido i think oh, he, that's uh that's what he was he just he wasn't breaking tackles because guys are so far away yes exactly that's he what just, i'm saying yeah. <laughs> you
0: didn't see a ton of force miss tackles because he was just creating separation at will yeah. and here he's he's still doing that but they're getting involved him involved behind the line of scrimmage because they know mm-hmm. he has that yeah, dynamic yeah.
1: ability Yeah, had think, that punt return as well oh yeah he did returns punts for them too so i i do think he's still uh you know he came out early out of toledo he declared early had another year of eligibility i think he's still kind of a work in progress still a little rough around the edges but like you mentioned great route runner great separation ability and we're starting to see that shine through here as the season goes on i'd be interested Talk
0: to some veteran corners about how they're going against Deontay Johnson because I think I think they, they've shown they nice rep against exactly to you know, Davis, Sir Davis White. White, which is good. I, I'd be interested to see because I mean he's an older guy too, twenty four years old. I think or twenty three, twenty four years old that I think has. You know, it needs to get kind of good in a hurry. But I think he's getting better every week. That force miss tackle ability. Very impressed with as well. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Miko Hardman, the next guy on the list here. He leads all rookie receivers and yards after the catch per reception on a smaller sample size, though. This guy, similar to Marquise Brown, is is
1: a firework and a guy that can really, uh, you know, stretch the field, explosive play weight and happen. And also similar to DK Metcalf. He went to the perfect situation in terms mm-hmm. of usage. Like he's still not the know, next
0: Tyreek Hill. He's he, not. He was but, never that.
1: He's not quite. Uh, yeah, he's not. Is still not in terms of like ball tracking down the football field, not perfect. Mm-hmm. He's not great at that. Only 25 catches all year, but averaging 20.3 yards per catch. He just, he has speed and. Utterly dynamic after the catch, and that's a good combination mm-hmm. to have. Like no matter who you are, I feel really bad about where we ranked him back in the day because I, I remember I remember giving you trust. some
0: pushes like, "Hey, Michael Hardman looks pretty good." I know, like, he, he, you didn't, you didn't and once they anything.
1: get just getting the ball in his hands, he is very dynamic. Like I said, the ball skills aren't Tyreek Hill level. Tyreek Hill will win fifty-fifty balls. I don't see that ever being Hardman's game. But in that offense, they do a lot of uh, basically kind of like spot routes where it's like, "Hey, you run to X position to be on the football field if you're fast." Yep. Stuff to guard so yeah that's, what were some of your reservations with hardman coming out i didn't love the. like i said i, I didn't think he would win uh a, or track balls well down the football field i thought if you were to and run he already him, has a small catch radius if you were to run him as an outside receiver and you know run him down the football field I, I didn't think he would win a lot of those sort of go balls even if he did have steps on guys i didn't think he would you know track it well enough to haul those in sort of like a mike Wallace or a situation but that's not how they're using him. they're using him a lot more uh in the slot and a lot more and sort of off the line of scrimmage stuff
0: let's go to number eight our lowest graded rookie receiver in the nfl right now jj ortega whiteside pour one out pour one out for that guy he has had a rough start to the nfl let's start with this i know you loved him coming out we both liked him coming out he he showed good releases at stanford he had great contested catchability at stanford specifically in the red zone what has gone wrong
1: yeah so part of it is just uh a lot of his production was i mean Literally trust with the quarterback in terms mm-hmm. of, hey, I'm not open, but you got to throw it to me. Op- you got to throw me open here, mm-hmm. like i I've, and then I will win it. That has it. Like I don't think. Carson Wentz has given him pretty much any of those opportunities. You know, he doesn't have the box out in zone touchdowns, doesn't have a lot of the uh, go ball back shoulder stuff. That's just not, hasn't been a part of the Eagles' offense, and so that was you know seventy five percent, not seventy five percent, but like half his production last year was those sort of routes. And so if you don't, if you're not on the same page with the quarterback, all of a sudden there you go, zap a good deal of his production. Uh, obviously, Carson Wentz not playing great football here down the stretch himself, but Arcego Whiteside, I think even when he has had a few contested situations, has. Not been good, not on the same page. Had you know, a crossing route where he's not hitting his landmarks, things like that. I, I think you see a lot of rookie mistakes from him. I, I still, when I watch him, you know, in one-on-one sort of situations, there's still nice, clean release. Sometimes the outside where he's not getting targeted, like you still see the skill set there. He's definitely just hitting some of those rookie sort of just adjustments to the offense. But you expect him maybe in year two, year three to get better and potentially start to build that confidence with Carson Wentz or whoever. The yeah, like I is. said, like he's still getting good release at the line of scrimmage. He's not Nelson Aguilar, uh, by any means, in terms of the mistakes he is making uh, at the, at this point in his career. So I can't.
0: Every time I hear Nelson Aguilar, I think of that video with the kid, the guy catching babies or whatever. that seems to too good. All right, uh, Darius Slayton. This is a guy that I don't even think we had anywhere near the top of our mm-hmm. boards coming out. But he has played very well in New York, which I would even call an, a not ideal quarterback situation. Yeah. But he's done a very
1: but good job. But he was job. like the number one also there mm-hmm. for like... Th- to month, to month, he has the volume, the, the target so, volume yeah. there.
0: But I, what I've been impressed with most is his ability to win down the football field. Yeah. I mean, he wins at the line of scrimmage. He's fast enough to get open deep, and he's he's tracking the ball well.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is I didn't just coming out. I didn't see him running a full route tree. Obviously, not a lot of people did either because he's a fifth rounder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I didn't. I know he was athletic. Uh, I know he was fast. But his production deep wasn't great even at Auburn. Uh, and like I said, I didn't think he ran uh, a lot of routes great. And I think that's been very different. Like his his vertical route tree has been much. better better than we saw last year at Auburn uh, I still don't think you, you know the full route tree he's run either basically slants a lot of his production slants or goes or you know double move goes stuff like that has been a lot of his production so uh, still a little bit limited that's why I have J.J. J. Arcega Whiteside still ahead of him still believe you know Arcega. the pri- priors still matter I'm gonna go with Arcega uh, and then that that's but ninth. He's moved way up since, you know, uh, just in terms of what I've seen from this year compared to uh, pre-draft rankings.
0: Speaking of priors matter, Andy Isabella at number 10, yes. uh, nine receptions for 140 yards, four first downs, uh, three forced tackles after the catch and a touchdown. He has just not had the opportunity, but you still believe in him as a prospect. He just needs to see the football field. Why do you think the Cardinals are not letting him? It's not like they have a host of receiving talent above him. They're playing Kendall Sheffield and and random guys above him. Andy Zabella not seeing the football field. Why?
1: Yeah, it's odd because, uh, I mean, and when he does see the football field, they're almost using him as like a gimmick player uh in like a paris campbell-esque role when i didn't even think that was him like i didn't think he was super dynamic with the ball in his hands like he's very fast uh and if he has a straight line he will you know beat you to the spot but i don't think he shook a lot of people even at massachusetts so uh, i don't know what their plan for him is i mean i thought if you drafted him uh you'd at least use him in like a deep role but they really haven't so but i still like i said i still believe like he still was like very high on our board coming out so i do think that We'll see. I mean, shit. That's just like a punt on it. Like he just, he's only been targeted 13 times all year.
0: Yeah, we just need more a bigger sample size. I mean, you need, mm-hmm. you need the guy to get some volume here. Can we get some plays, please, Cliff? Cliff, we're asking. Can we get some plays, Randy? We well? two weeks left. Just see what you got. Let's go to our last segment here. That's going to do it for the redrafting of rookie receivers. Very impressed with that. I love AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, and this receiving class coming up. Is also going to be fantastic. There was yeah. a ton of receiving talent in this one. Um, I'm really excited for the future of the NFL with uh, Jerry Judy coming in, T. Higgins. I'm still, it just Mavisca still blows Chanel. my
1: mind if I think teams will have learned from their mistakes last year seeing all these second and third rounders. Go for big numbers mm-hmm. and be like, oh, let me go actually grab one of these guys. Where do you share? think that comes from, though? Is that people just having or teams having more confidence? I think it was. I mean, honestly, what I think it was was you went five years without a first-round pick hitting at wide receiver. True, Gunshy. shy. Yeah. You just like teams see that and are like, I don't want to be the next team. I don't want to be Calvin Benjamin, Corey Davis, or yeah, Calvin <laughs> Benjamin. Well, Kelvin Benjamin was the fourteen. Was, was he the... a tight
0: end coming out though? <laughs> no,
1: he, yeah, he was, and he was I the he was the bad pick in the two thousand fourteen draft. <laughs> yeah, class, yeah. You know that had all the good players. Kevin
0: White, ones. another one that was drafted. Corey yeah. Coleman. There, I mean, there were. Receivers ton, so yeah. that um, I'm sure that people fell in love with. I mean, Corey Coleman was a darling. I mean, people. He, oh, Sam Monson back there loved Corey Coleman coming out. He didn't felt there? I, there is some context to that though. The off field, the shoe addiction. Be. There's some thing. There's some things there. You got to kind of yeah. dive into. Let's go to the blackout segment. This is our uh, two for one draft segment where we talk about um, you know players that. Did not have mm-hmm. great weeks this past week. Wanted to black out. Forget that performance. Um, I'm sure Matt Renner said a handful of weekends like that. Let's go to Drew Locke, quarterback of the Denver Broncos. He blacked out in the snow, too, which I'm sure you wake up Waited in the out. snow. Whiteout. It was a whiteout. But that's just really unfortunate. It was after, I think, a lot <laughs> of time. That's how that, you die is when you <laughs> black out. <in the> <laughs> no one likes a blackout in the snow. I think that's a Liam Nielsen movie. I'm not sure. Um, no, anyway. Liam, Drew, Neeson. Liam Neeson. Sorry um, about that. Nielsen. Right. Who the hell is Nielsen? Uh, Drew Locke. It was just coming after a Denver Broncos game where people started. Trying to get excited about him, thought maybe he was yeah. the future. You I've, had a piece
1: halfway through. People, people were telling me to admit I was wrong about True Lock. And I'm like, it's I, been I one like, game. I, it's and been he good. Had like one good series in that but game. also like. I'm not gonna admit I was right about Drew Locke after this game. Like it was in the snow. Yeah. 28.8 passing grade. Like he had drops. Like it was just it was gonna be bad in the snow. Like he was going to have a game where he had to come back and grew a rookie. Like this shit like this happened. So I'm not gonna yeah. be too down on him either. But I mean, I just do think you saw some of the issues. The picky through you
0: wait to take your victory laps, which I think I'm impressed with. It's nice. It's the picky nice.
1: through in the end zone was awful. Yeah. It just fading away like and it was throwing a jump ball to Noah Fant should have been your first warning sign. But like that one was pretty rough. He's not throwing a pick in three straight games. Like there has been some decision-making concerns with him. In rhythm throws, though uh, I like his accuracy has been good. Uh, Even though forty five percent completion percentage, he had five drops in this one. uh, I think he, you know, a lot of the stuff once the snow went down and then once they were playing from behind, it got difficult for him. But I do, I do think like his in rhythm accuracy has been very good to start his career so far. But definitely a blackout.
0: The next blackout here is a world champion duck caller, Devlin Hodges, Mm -hmm. did not have a good game against the top five defense in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills. (sighs) I mean, I think the decision making was a concern. The guy could, simply could not complete a pass deep down the football field. Very yeah. inaccurate with the football. I, I that's think what we asked for. Game, he was processing week. the game very slowly. Yes. And when you process the game slowly and you're going against a defense that can create pressure, you're going to
1: struggle. I saw that. Well, that's what we sort of threw up in the you know last Thursday's podcast. We're like, duck Devlin, you know, the grades have been good. Nothing necessarily down the football field that we've been impressed with in terms of, uh, you know, level of difficulty uh, m- taking, you know, a lot of chances with the football, mm-hmm. having to make plays down the football field. And then you saw in this one against, I mean, this top five Bills defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL, one of the best secondaries. It's not going to be easy, but when he did take his chances, they were not good. You know, four turnover plays in the day, four picks. Just it was it's a bad time. And it's a, he's a UDFA rookie against well, top five defense in the NFL. I'm not sure we should have expected any less.
0: From what you've seen from Devlin Duck Hodges so far this year, and how you've seen Ben Roethlisberger progress on the sideline no. from a beard standpoint, what do you think the future of the Steelers' quarterback Draft situation quarterback. is? Draft quarterback, I mean, buddy. Ben said he's coming back,
1: beard or no beard, he's coming back. Yeah, I mean he's. Have you seen him on the sideline? I have. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. How do you factor that in? Yeah, you factor it he's in. He's, by leaning he's, he's leaning towards, towards uh, offensive of, assistant more yeah. than he has leaned towards well, offensive back. line more likely <laughs> than quarterback. But no, he's just not. Uh, he's not going to be your long-term option. Like, you're, If you draft a guy this year, you'll have four years of said player to figure out if he's the next guy. Ben Rosberg, you really think he's going to have four more years in the NFL?
0: The thing is, though, they not- don't have a 2020 rounder They don't have a first-round pick in this class.
1: Yeah, that is the problem. You're going into next year with Ben at Roethlisberger at 350
0: pounds. That's the problem. You, yeah. You're going to have to do that. And I think after I mean, like the year. second
1: and third round, there's no shame in taking a chance and saying, mm-hmm. hey, we'll see if this guy hits. Jalen Hurts, Eason, Fromm. Sure. There's some opportunity there. There's some opportunity. Love Falsa. I mean, loves. I, Jordan Love. Love could go even back end of the first round with teams like, uh, you know, the Patriots, things like that, mm-hmm. that that could use a developmental guy. Something I'm a little frustrated
0: that. with, I think, is that the Patriots for about the 10, runner. for ten fifteen 15 years, we've been always calling out that the Patriots will probably be picking out the back end of the first round. That's just always frustrating. I think it's mm-hmm. like it's like a guarantee lock that you can always bring up like this quarterback yeah, could I, go at the back end of the first round. Maybe the Patriots. Well, start to consider, when I was like, no one
1: would have traded a third rounder for uh, Oh, gosh, would they, Mohammed Sinew? I'm like, mm-hmm. no wonder would even trade a third rounder for that guy. Like, yeah. why did they give up a second? Everyone's like, well, it's basically a third. It's basically a third. <laughs> well, all right, let's go to our next blackout segment. Let's get off the quarterbacks here.
0: Uh, JJ Ortega, Whiteside, hit zero catches. Wait, we got
1: to do him again? Yeah, I mean, I guess we can. We
0: do. got to. I mean, it's a constant state here. JJ Ortega, Whiteside, zero catches, two targets. We've already kind of summed them up a
1: little bit. They have no wide done. receivers. Yeah. And he couldn't even catch a pass. Like, they have no one else competing for targets. Great quarterback. Ward, yeah. A college quarterback looked better than him. Who's better, Greg
0: Ward or Lynn Bowden Jr.? Lynn Bowden Jr., I'd say, both is a better, dynamic. better prospect. Yeah. Both dynamic. I like Lin Bowden Jr. a lot. Talk about the sacrifice, though, with Lynn Bowden Jr. How, like, hey, I have a chance to play slot receiver in the NFL. Who doesn't want the ball in their hands more, though? You talk to, We talked to LaVisca Chanel recently. We asked him what his favorite exactly, route was. He's like, been. Wildcat quarterback. <laughs> I would love LaVisca in an offense that's willing to get creative. I feel like if he gets drafted by some team that's not willing to play him at every position and then some. Yeah. Like Matt Nagy. Defense. Think about Matt Matt Nagy with LaVisca. Because what, what he does oh, instead with... Instead of Trubisky. Instead of Trubisky. You, 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 what he does with uh, Tre Cohen, Dave Montgomery, he yeah. mixes
1: them in. I think him... It's going to be fun. Hopefully he doesn't go too... I've mocked him to Dallas. That's probably the last place I Oh, I'm man, go, that but.
0: sounds like an absolute disaster. Let's go to last guy here on the Blackout segment, Ed Oliver. Mm. He's a guy that's flashed a bit, though. This is just not a great game. 27 pass rushes, zero pass rush wins. Not a great game for Ed. Yeah,
1: Ed Oliver, I, I think when you're drafting rookies in your A good team like the Bills, or I guess, I guess they didn't know they were going to be a great team, but sometimes, like, uh, and the Packers, like, you have to be able to say uh, you know this guy wasn't going to be like you have to a big part of knowing is where they are in their developmental curve mm-hmm. Ed Oliver very low on the developmental curve Rashawn Gary very low on the developmental curve in terms of where they could be in terms of NFL readiness uh, didn't have a single pressure this past week against Pittsburgh on 27 pass rush snaps didn't even have a pass rushing win you know that didn't get char- charted as a pressure for us so that's not good and I think he, he just was never going to be worth the top 10 pick right out the gate. He's never going to be that guy right out the gate. You're banking on future projection. But it's also, you know, when you see flashes of it, that's what makes you encouraged. So it's if a guy like uh, a guy who was supposed to be NFL ready coming out like Cleveland Farrell, mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to be a senior furrow. You're supposed to be a senior good with his hands ready, and then he's not good you worry about a guy like that much more than a guy like ed oliver he played very
0: good against the run this past week yeah. clean for all i think they might have yeah, a very good run defender or potentially good run
1: defender yeah yeah in the top five which i probably. think he's probably i mean 10, 20 I, years ago that's a good pick you know we, I mean, we had him as a top 50 player which says we think he's gonna be mm-hmm. solid no, i'm star.
0: really looking forward to this year us on the the live draft show pff we're gonna do that again and i think uh, getting us involved here the two foreign drafts bring that to the mix reacting live to those picks definitely tune in when that comes. I know it's a little ways away, but we're excited. We're also going to be down at the Senior Bowl, 2 for one Drafts mm. at the Senior Bowl, which will be very exciting. We're going to bring our podcast producer, Mike Quinn, with us, who is a is an awesome dude. Very good guy. Funny dude. That's going to do it for 2 for one Drafts, brought to you by our friends at Western Southern. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, but uh, we're also on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays. Thanks again. This is Austin Mike, 2 for one Drafts.